I will say this, though. There are some tiki cocktails, and there's a movement within the tiki kind of cocktail culture to move towards using bourbon at a lot of those cocktails instead of just rum. Hmm. And I think that's an interesting thing uh, that's coming in the cocktail, the cocktail world. Make more birdies. A bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. This is not a tip. This is a prescription, trust me. Mm. If you don't, you will fall out of balance. Yeah, welcome back to the Birdies and Bourbon podcast. Uh, we've released six episodes, and today we're bringing you a special edition, the Birdies and Bourbon 19th Hole. Looking forward to uh, speaking with Mickey Pinstripe from the Bourbon and Rye Club and uh, talking a little about bourbon. So, uh, Mickey, this is Cal and Dan. Uh, you want to tell us a little about yourself and the Bourbon and Rye Club, what it's all about? Sure thing. Sure thing. Cal, Dan, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, my name is actually Mike. Uh, however, uh, I've gone by Mickey Pinstripe for a while now. Gave me a kind of a foundation to have like a character that I could get out and overcome my uh, deep introversion as far as the internet goes. So it's just something I kind of stuck with. People call me Mike, Mikey, Mickey. Doesn't matter. I answer to all of them. We love Mickey. No, we're going to stick uh, with Mickey. We're going to stick with Mickey. Mickey. Uh-uh. Hey, cool. Is, yeah. I'm, I'm good with it. I got shirts <laughs> with my name on in all different variations, so it's all good. Um, the Bourbon and Rye Club really started as kind of a virtual bar uh, for people to just kind of uh, meet up and kind of talk, you know, whiskey, cocktails, uh, things that they're interested in. And it started a couple years ago, and it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger as I've met more and more people over the Internet. And uh, so, yeah, I'd say the best way I could look at it is a virtual bar where essentially just anybody can pull up a seat and talk whiskey and we can spend some time either on the main post or in direct messages, which is where I spend a lot of my time these days uh, talking to people from around the world that are interested in American whiskey. Awesome. Yeah. So speaking of, uh, well, I guess for anybody that's listening or all the listeners that are listening, uh, we poured ourselves... uh Henry McKenna, 10-year bottle and bond. So uh, that's what we're going to be sipping on for, uh, for the next several minutes while we chat with, uh, we chat with the Bourbon and Rye Club. So we got some few questions that we want to ask you, if you don't mind. Uh, I'd say we, far uh, away. We, yeah, so, so I'm definitely a fan of the, of the Sunday night fight. Uh, enjoy watching that when I have an opportunity to. Uh, I think it's a good, uh, good medium. Uh, also a good introduction for folks that, I uh, may want to try a bourbon or a whiskey, and, and it's like I may not want to spend the money, but, uh, you know, what, what, what's it like? And I can go and read about it, but I think there's a personal connection, obviously, when you can see somebody, uh, you know, face to well, screen to screen, uh, but it's live, right? And you're sharing uh, not overly uh, complex or complicated. It's, you know, if you're, uh, if you're just uh, uh, an amateur, uh, you know, bourbon drinker, I, I think it, uh, it delivers a good platform. Um, so my, the first question. Uh, who's the Mike Tyson of the Sunday night fight? So if you could pull all of them together, who's your Mike Tyson so far? Okay. So, um, the Mike Tyson so far, uh, I think is probably, probably going to be Jim Beam's devil's cut. Um, it's been in a couple of fight nights. We've done some, we did a tournament with it and I think it just punched a lot of people in the nose and really surprised um, the listeners and the, the viewers. Like, really what that whiskey could be. Wow. People have bet against it for a very, very long time, and nobody takes Tim Beam seriously. 
and it always does well for us. For some reason, Devil's Cut is the one that knocks a lot of a lot of opponents out quicker than than would be expected. So I would go with being Devil's Cut as the Tyson of Sunday Night Fights. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, thanks. And I've got a follow up question to that, but I guess a statement, if you don't mind. And uh, I can definitely see why uh, just the beam in general gets uh, maybe maybe not as uh, as many positive marks. Just thinking, you know, the base label beam. Uh, it's a little kind of overly sweet, and uh, you know, it just just doesn't really fit my palate. Not to say that it's not uh, that others don't enjoy it. Uh, but I have to revisit the uh, the Devil's Cut. I have had it before. I, I don't know that I've necessarily bought a bottle. It's probably been uh, you know shared by a buddy or something. But uh, so as a follow up to that, and and you may have just answered it, I uh, was wondering who's the who have you been most surprised by, or what what bottle as a winner on a Sunday night fight? Well, um, we've had a couple that were actually really really interesting. So we the first uh, Sunday night fight we did was actually against Fighting Cock and Wild Turkey 101. Mm-hmm. And that fight, I think, surprised everybody. And I'm a big Fighting Cock fan anyway. It's something I've loved for quite a long time. Um, but I thought that it would be an interesting battle between the two because they were close enough in proof, close enough in age, and Fighting Cock was developed as a specific direct competitor to Wild Turkey 101. So that one was actually probably my biggest surprise was uh, how Chris and I, who's the urban bourbonist, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, we both agreed that Fighting Cock just dominated uh, Wild Turkey 101. And Wild Turkey 101 is no slouch. So I would say that's probably the biggest shocker that we had uh, as far as like people you know, just not expecting that to happen at all. Definitely Fighting Cock over Wild Turkey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as we're sipping right now, I mean, it's, uh, you know, and, and again, I've, I've watched, uh, you know, the Sunday night fight several times and I follow you on social media. So uh, I see how big of a fan you are fighting cock. I mean, we're drinking Henry McKenna right now, which is made out of the, made out of the same house. Right. I mean, it is no, there's no That's kidding correct. that heaven Hill makes good, makes good juice. Uh, but, but yeah, I've, uh, I've adopted, I shouldn't even say adopted. I mean, I liked it after the first sip and, you know, it's 100 proof, I think, or maybe 101, but, you know, it, it comes in uh, what you would say you're expecting something extremely hot. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it, that thing, you can just pour it in a glass, uh, room temperature, and just uh, and watch out because uh, you, you can get to a bottle pretty quick. It goes really quick once you get into it. <laughs> it's like, look yeah. at it. Kind of kind of all of a sudden you're like, wait, what happened? <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. Uh, so you mentioned when we when we uh, we started, you said uh, you were getting ready to reopen. So what what are you reopening? Well, the company I work for has been closed for a couple of months now, and we're about to okay. reopen uh, coming up here in a week or so. So we're just preparing gotcha. everything and uh, getting ready to go. Yeah, un- understood. And so I've you know tried to do a little bit of research on you. You're uh, somewhat elusive, although uh, you know you, you can't find you. <laughs> Um, so, so my question, and I don't, so did you watch the, I don't know, are you a golfer or not? I am not a golfer. Um, I, I play putt putt and usually with a uh, plastic fighting cock. So it's really entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but you know what golf is? Yeah. So, uh, as you might, uh, as you might take away from, uh, from the name of our show, birdies and bourbon, right? It's about golf and, and booze. Uh, yep. so the, the match that just happened on Sunday, uh, you know, I think it was the second live sporting event in the U S uh, in the past couple of months, given the pandemic, uh, 
Uh, I'm sure you know who Peyton Manning is. I, yeah, I think he even has a whiskey that's coming out too. Mm. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah Peyton, Peyton for sure. We know, we know Peyton Manning. I, mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, indeed. Can't, can't wait to. Yeah, can't wait to talk about that. So I, I've noticed a few references to uh, New Orleans, uh, you know, in your in your social media, et cetera. And, and Peyton actually, uh, you know, gave a shout out to uh, to Nola on Sunday. You know, he was kind of changing hats and he had his Nola hat on and and had a shout out with his family ties and such. So. Are you, uh, do you, wh where do you host from? Are you uh, in New Orleans or California? Yeah, so, yeah, so I, moved, I moved from uh, California in July of last year, just in time to get a hurricane and then <laughs> to get, you know, this lovely virus. So, you know, timing's everything in life. Uh, so I, I'm actually in New Orleans, and Chris uh, broadcasts from Chicago. Nice. So we're okay, kind of awesome. like uh, kind of holding down the central to eastern, eastern uh, time slots there. Um, you know, we started. We started the Sunday night fights. You know, honestly, because there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of social media around accessible whiskeys. You know, there's there's a lot of great pages with high end scotch, high end bourbon, you know, the Pappy Van Winkles and things like that. And we were like, God, you know, like there's a lot of we like all those things, of course, but there's a lot of whiskeys out there that we really enjoy. And that nobody really talks a lot about. Like, you, you know people drink them because they're the top-selling whiskeys, you know, in the United States. Nobody really They're on every shelf you compares. walk into. Yeah. Every, uh, every store, right? And it was just one of those things where we decided we want to do something a little bit different. We didn't, do, we didn't want to do blind taste because we weren't trying to demonstrate our palate or our lack of ability to identify something. We wanted to really acknowledge the bias that we have towards a label, good or bad, and they do side-by-side -side comparisons and do things in a way where you know, people could play along if they wanted to. Because a lot of people would even have these bottles at home or they could just go to the liquor store real quick you know, on a Saturday or Sunday morning and, and come home and drink along with us. That's really what we wanted to do. But we try to just pick things that are available, are reasonably priced, and are like fairly comparable to one another because otherwise like who wants to watch me drink pappy 20 and pappy 23 side by side There's, people are going to be like wow what a jerk <laughs> <laughs> so it's like that's what really why we started with the with the program we did and you know we have we have people ask us all the time like oh you should try like eagle rare 17 you know versus this or that and it's like yeah it would be great if we could get those bottles <laughs> which we can't but then most people wouldn't be able to either. And that, that's really what it was about, was to you know, bring some people together, have a fight, share some drinks. Guilty. I mean, I can't. Everything you said, 100% you know, true. I've, I've, been, I've done the same thing, that, you know, just what you explained. So, uh, and, and obviously by your, uh, by your fan base, I mean, you, you can clearly see it's out there. So. Yeah, we, we love doing it, too. And, you know, there's, there's some regulars that show up as well. And, and I think they're looking for just an excuse to drink with friends, especially during this time, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, where you can't yeah, no go out and drink with friends. Uh, so, you know, it's really, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a neat little program and, you know, we're, we're, we're not out there declaring that we're the, the, you know, the gurus of bourbon and we know everything and what's best. People disagree with us all the time. You know, we run like kind of a betting window for fun, of course. Uh, and usually the, you know, we're the ones that we usually pick to win usually end up being the underdog because everybody else is so invested in their favorite brand. And that's a cool thing because 
you can change someone's mind by doing side by side. Yep. You know, where normally they would just thought, well, I'm not getting that because I'm going to get my favorite. Like, try it. Expand your, expand your horizons a little bit. It's a good thing. Yeah. How do, how do you break through that emotional connection? Yeah. The um, emotional connections are really important. Exactly. So, Mickey, back to the Bourbon Rye Club. In terms of, uh, is there anything on the horizon that we should be out on the lookout for? Is there any chance that the Bourbon and Rye Club is coming out uh, with something of your own, anything like that? Oh, I, <clears throat> who have you been talking to? Uh oh. <laughs> so, um, everybody. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Hey, first, okay. per, hey, first, uh, first, a break. You heard it here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, there's. Some things I'm looking to do. I, I've done some private barrel selections with a couple liquor stores over the last couple of years, and I've enjoyed that. I'd like to do a couple more of those, and we may have something on the horizon in the next like six months. I'm not going to say anything because I hate jinxing it if it doesn't, you know, pan out. Um, but there is at some point uh, I do want to do a private label of my own, mm-hmm. and it's going to be very, very small when I do it. I don't, I don't want to distill my own, but there will be. Uh, the potential to do two to three barrels a year of a private label. But even then, after yeah, after getting those, uh, they'd have to be sourced, of course. They're still going to be about six, seven years down the line before they ever get released. But that is something that I'm looking towards, uh, looking towards doing, and I'm hoping to have something uh, signed, sealed, and delivered the next year. Oh, nice. Wow, that's, that's awesome, that's, man. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. You, you got to... Uh, got two customers here for sure you know should it come to fruition <laughs> uh so it, it, you know if this if this goes well and uh you know with the conversations good and uh, i mean obviously we're drinking good uh good bourbon but um i'd like to talk a little more about that at some point if if it's fair uh you know you we brought up peyton and you mentioned uh you know his liquor you mind to if we jump into that for a minute I wouldn't mind at all. I'm actually in, extremely intrigued because of the Castle and Key connection of Marianne, uh, Marianne Eves. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's oh, that was, Well, so that was uh, so a few things. So I'm, I'm originally an East Tennessee guy, uh, you know, and, and there's really nothing in East Tennessee except for Dolly Parton and Peyton Manning. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, so there's an obvious, obvious uh, yeah, right, obvious draw there. Uh, you know, and Peyton's partners in a golf course uh, that I, I played it a couple of times, but it's uh, it's Sweden Cove Golf Course, and uh, it's a nine-hole course, which you know nobody nobody reviews nine-hole courses uh, positively. Uh, this actually made the 100 best golf courses as you could play in the U.S. and is only nine holes. So you got you got Peyton, Eli, uh, Roddick. I don't know Dan. Uh, there's a couple other guys. You know, a handful Jim, of guys. I think Jim Nance is in there. Uh, Jim Nance, yeah. So you've got some guys that are on this, and, and they've got a tradition. If it's your first time playing the golf course, you get a shot of liquor before you tee off. And, you know, the, uh, the, when, the first time I was there, you know, the guy kind of gave it was this year. The guy gave me a little spiel. I think it was in January. It's cold as hell. And uh, I just drove up by myself to play one day. You know, not much going on. I'm like, I'm going to go play the course. You know, nobody will be there. And, you know, the dude gave me the rundown, and he's like, oh, by the way, uh, their, their general manager, and he's like, hey, you know, have you played here before? And I said, I haven't. And he's like, well, you know, the tradition, you get the shot, et cetera. And as we continue to chat, he's like, you know, well, be on the lookout because, you know, we thought about, you know, we're giving, and they didn't tell us what liquor they were actually giving us. I think they were doing some home blends, and I, I got some questions to ask you about that uh, in, in a minute. But uh, he, he kind of shared that they're releasing, and it's going to be a Sweet & Cove's label. 
and he brought up uh, Marianne Eve. And, you know, I'm not familiar, so I, I would consider myself a, a – I drink a lot, but I'm a very novice drinker. You know, I know what I like, and I like to try different things. So uh, how, how do you think they came to pick her uh, as their blender? Well, wow. So Marianne Eves was the first female master distiller in Kentucky for Castle and Key Distillery, which used to be the old Taylor Distillery. Uh, and you may know E.H. Colonel E.H. Taylor from the Buffalo Trace fame, also the bottled and bottled. Yeah, I got some bottles on the shelf. Yep, yep. So that's the that's the Taylor Distillery. And so when they that property was purchased, uh, she was selected to be their first master distiller. Uh, her whiskey is just now starting to be released under the Pinhook label under some contract distilling that they did. Uh, the Pinhook, uh, Pinhook Rye and uh, Bourbon whiskey did contract distilling with Castle and Key. So Marianne Eve's whiskey is finally released to the world, and it's fabulous. So she left uh, last year. Um, I'm not sure why. They, nobody really said. I'm sure there's NDPs, you know, coming out of everybody's ears. Yeah, sure. Um, they said it was amicable, et cetera, but what else are they going to say? Uh, she got pregnant, had a baby recently, and um, she has a really um, intensely horrific palate. And she worked for, I believe, uh, Brown Foreman for a number of years. So she has a lot of experience in the whiskey industry outside of just distilling. So picking her as a master taster makes perfect sense. Like you've got your, you know, your, your Peyton Manning, you like whiskey, but you don't know necessarily a whole lot about it or how it's made. You go out there, you start looking for sources. Who do you pick? Who's got a, who's got really good name recognition out there that's doing something different that's available. And Marianne Eves was definitely that person. And, you know, she, she blended a lot of barrels of Tennessee whiskey. Look, no offense to but it has a mixed reputation in the whiskey aficionado or enthusiast community, depending on which side of the fence you sit on. Uh, but apparently, from the reviews that have already started to come out, like the work she has done has done is, has been terrific, and it's going to fit right in with what Peyton Manning's trying to do with that golf course. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Th thanks for sharing. Yeah, good, good insight there. You know, I, I uh, so I, I did. Given them, so they, they did, a, I think, a 500-bottle release today at 10 a.m., and uh, <laughs> it was only online, and, and you had to be uh, – they're only shipping to Tennessee. I'm sure there's probably – I shouldn't say there is, but I would imagine there's some regulatory things they're trying to work around. It uh, could also be because of limited uh, you know, production. Uh, but they released 500 bottles. I, at 9.59, I was trying to log in. Uh, it wasn't 10 o'clock, so unsuccessful. At 10 o'clock, I add the bottle to the car, into the shopping cart, and before I could check out, or when I clicked check out, uh, guess what? It, it wasn't there. So, you know, it, it, in a matter of literally, so, yeah, so $200 a bottle, and in a matter of three minutes, uh, you know, you, you got nothing. So uh, I can only imagine that that's going to continue to be a hit. I mean, you referenced earlier, you know, the not. I guess you didn't get detailed about it, but, you know, how can you, you know, the aftermarket and all that stuff and the, you know, the, the upcharging of the prices. I mean, I'm definitely not a fan of that either, but uh, I, I hope that they stay true to uh, true to the core and, and they continue to release. I, th I think they said they're continuing the bottle. 
uh, you know, they're going to do some more, uh, some more drops. So any thoughts on where you think the juice came from? I mean, they, they said that it was a Tennessee uh, bourbon whiskey and then it matured or they, I guess they, uh, you know, they pushed it up to Kentucky uh, to, to have it uh, finished. But any thoughts on where it came from? Um, you know, they typically don't say, but when you think of like really older Tennessee whiskey, since Jack Daniels really doesn't do much more, you know, than six or seven years old, um, it, it's more than likely Dickel. Like, it, it, it's almost definitively it's got to be Dickel uh, whiskey. There's just, they, they have aged stock that Jack Daniels just doesn't do. Mm. So I'm going to I'm gonna lay my money, I'm going to lay my scratch down on Dickel all the way. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, maybe we get to chat again, be great to do, but that, uh, you know, I'm not a big, I, you know, Dickel's decent, but uh, that new Bottle and Bond they just released, I'm, I'm a fan of it. It's pretty decent stuff. The, uh, I, I'm actually a big fan of the rye whiskey. Uh, I think Dickel does a great rye. I think their bourbon is uh, uh, inconsistent for my palate. Uh, sometimes it's really, really good if it's if it's blended really well. I can I can drink it. Sometimes though, it's you know, you'll hear the you know, like the Jim Beam. They'll say, "Oh, it's beam nutty." You get that peanut or whatever. With Dickel, you sometimes hear Flintstones vitamins. <laughs> because of the mineral content of the water. Um, so if you like that, and if that's your thing, then you'll love it. Uh, for me, a Dickel, I'll take the rye any day of the week. The bourbon has to be expertly blended. Um, I know I'm not going to be able to get a bottle of this this first release. I hope one day I can get, get my hands on a sample of it because I'd really love to try it, see what Marianne Eves was able to do. Yeah. Speaking of that, I I can, I can assure you when we get, uh, when I get my hands on a bottle and I will, uh, you're getting a sample (laughs) and, uh, we'd like to invite you back on to, uh, do a tasting. I'd love to do it. I'd love to do it (laughs) for sure. That's awesome. Mickey, I was thinking as you were saying, we want to get your hand on a bottle of that. And in terms of your collection, any, anything stand out to you as the ones you're most proud of the ones that, uh, maybe you're most sought after or whatnot, you know, just think about your collection. It's always nice to hear people talk about, um, you know, the ones they go to or what, you know, what they're desiring. Right. Yeah. So, you know, there are a lot of collectors out there and it would, I'd be hard pressed to defend myself as far as not having a collection of whiskey. You <laughs> see just what I have. Um, I really prefer it as a as an ever evolving selection mm-hmm. of whiskey mm-hmm. because everything I have is either gonna is either opened or going to be open at some point. Like mm-hmm. so I'm not holding on to anything for an investment type purpose. Yep. So I really try to think of it as a selection, and it does change in time. You know, it's it's fun to look back and go, wow, I used to stock that in my home bar, and I don't anymore because my palate changed. Mm-hmm. I can give you a good example. Uh, years ago, um, Jim Beam, forget it. I was with you. Too sweet, <laughs> underproof, didn't like it. Yep. But now, you know, as time has gone on, I've expanded into a lot of the Knob Creeks. Uh, some of the new stuff they're doing with Bakers and Overholt, like, Beam makes some great whiskey. So I actually... Probably the biggest chunk of my selection at home mm-hmm. are Jim Beam products, hmm. which is actually a surprise. If you'd have told me that five years ago, I would have never believed it. Hmm. Yeah, it's um, like no I way in like, hell that Jim Beam has taken over no. my bar. <laughs> no, never happened. Never in a million years. Nope. Uh, but yes, it, it, it definitely has. Um, as far as higher end stuff, like Kentucky Owl, uh, particularly their rye, is one of my absolute all-time favorite whiskeys. And Willet, of course, is another one. And those are probably my two favorite 
higher end lines. Uh, I, I typically don't keep Pappy or things like that on the bar just because pricing and not, not able to find it. And mm-hmm. frankly, like, as good as it is for the money, you can get a lot of other good bottles for a lot less money. But that's just, that's my personal yeah. preference. So you, you can get several cases that are just as good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, for a bottle of that, you know, 23-year-old Pappy, if you'd have been quick enough online today, you could have got 10 of those Peyton bottles. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'm, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, I, guess, I guess my uh, my buying power is as slow as that my golf swing, you know. I just I need to pick up the game here, so. Uh, hey, man, so I know we've kept you on uh, for quite some time. I don't, we got a couple more uh, things we'd like to talk about, but I, I don't know. You good on time, or how you feeling? Want another tour? Or I'm, good on, I'm, good on t- I'm good on time. I'll hang out with you guys if you don't mind. If you want to talk golf, go right ahead. Well, no, 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 man. We'll uh, we'll cover that uh, at another another stint. But well, I don't know, Dan Bay. Dan, Dan's the golfer the in the o- crowd. The so. only the only thing I'll tell you about golf in terms of what you just said that's uh, ironic is that you may say the Pappy is you know four or five times you know the the average type of whiskey that um, you know that you're drinking and that the the bang for the buck's not there in terms of golf. I would say Cal correct me if I'm wrong. Any of those uh, PGA players could get smoked by a Corn Ferry Tour player on any given day. So you never know what's going to happen out there either. Uh, the consistency on the on the tour is what makes those guys so special. But you never know what's going to happen. Would you would you not back me up on that, Cal? Yeah, it, fair enough, man. I mean, it's it, uh, you know it's it, uh, what uh, any given day, right? It's uh, you know Pacino said it best: any given Sunday. Yep. <laughs> Hey Mickey, so that's a do you, great movie too. <laughs> oh, any given Sunday. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Do you have a favorite cocktail uh, other than you know like just drinking it straight or on the rocks or whatnot? And one of the things we try to do on the on our site is try to highlight bourbon and cocktails. So do you do you have a favorite bourbon cocktail or a favorite cocktail you go to? You know, uh, any any cocktail that can be made where you don't bury the whiskey, it, you, it could just and forget the whiskey itself is the one that I want. Mm-hmm. I tend to stay very simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, an old fashioned is great. Sazerac is great. Um, even though you know Sazerac's mainly made with rye, you can still pull off a bourbon. Uh, Manhattans can be made with a with a bourbon or a rye. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the I like those cocktails because I can taste what's actually in the glass, mm-hmm. and it's not hidden with a lot of sugar or foam or coconut or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tend to stay very simple. Uh, on my on my whiskey cocktails, I will say this though: there are some tiki cocktails, and there's a movement within the tiki kind of cocktail culture to move towards using bourbon at a lot of those cocktails instead of just rum. Hmm. And I think that's an interesting thing uh, that's coming in the cocktail the cocktail world. That's interesting. Well, so think about some of the uh, you know, Jefferson that's uh, you know aged in sherry cask. And think about uh, who uh, Angel's Envy that's aged in port barrels. I mean, not to say you need to go there to sweeten it up, but I mean that's kind of the rum platform, right? It's more sugary. Uh, it, it would, and, and definitely you could go heavier on the on the heat. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that's an interesting play, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to some of those. Please share. You know, if you come across any, push them our way. I mean, we're we're always up to whipping something up. So. Hey, I'm Mickey. still working on that aspect of it because I need a blender that can actually do that well. <laughs> <laughs> Have you toured? Hey, we, 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 we got a guy. We may put him to work on it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hey, Mickey, have you toured? I go for it. Have you toured um, 
any of the the bourbon facilities? Do you have any favorites that do you like to go tour? Or anything that you know is most memorable to you, or things you go back to? Yeah, so uh, in May, I think in May, and I'll have to look at the date to make sure, but I, I'm pretty sure it was May of last year. My girl, went, girl, and I went to Kentucky. We did a couple of barrel pits for a liquor store in Southern California, mm-hmm. and we we were there a good week and a half. So we did about three distillery tours every day while we were there. And I can tell you this, I feel utter shame because one of the ones I didn't go to just because of time was the Beam Distillery in Clermont. Mm. And I kicked myself for not doing it, considering how much Beam I have in my, in my bar. Right. Uh, but I will say my favorite, the favorite tour I did was Castle and Key. Hmm. Uh, which is the one we were talking about with Marianne East, just because of the historic yeah, nature of that distiller. It was incredible. Was she there when you did the tour? She was already gone. Uh, she was not She was not there on that day, but she was still working there. She was still working. So yeah, I, yeah, gotcha. yeah, it wasn't, I, and I don't think it was too much longer after that that she, that she left. Um, I can say that there, there, there wasn't a bad tour that I went on. Uh, Turkey was probably the... The least fun, just because it is such an industrial production plant. Uh, they really yeah. weren't designed for visitors. Um, don't get me wrong; they make great whiskey, but they're really there for production, and they have a gift center and stuff, which is nice. But it's just not—it's not that great. Favorite one, though, hands down, was uh, the Mictors uh, Fort Nelson experience oh. and the Kentucky Peerless experience. Mm. Terrific access. You see everything. They show you everything. Victor's even lets you do a bottle your own uh, barrel strength rye experience where you label it yourself. You handwrite your name on the bottle. It goes into the registry. It's an official whiskey release. Uh, and you get the bottle in this killer box that you get to take home. And the whiskey is phenomenal. That's awesome. Yeah, hey, Cal, are you still there or did you get on a plane to Kentucky already? Uh, I'm I'm gassing the car up right now. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, some of the distilleries are starting to reopen uh, with social distancing, of course, for for tours. So keep in mind, they'll be opening pretty quick. So yeah, Mickey's and Peerless, if you guys guys go, you got to do it. Yeah, I've been to a few. You know, I'm with Four Roses I, I enjoyed when I was there. Uh, you know, it's pretty simple. Uh, you know, it, it's four roses, right? But I mean, but it's still good juice. But yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, just the simplicity of the tour, and you know, you're not you're not overwhelmed with labels and such. So you know, I, I don't know basic, I guess maybe is the the right term for it, or, or you know, maybe just simplistic. But yeah, I enjoyed that one. I, I think yeah, four roses. It was a pretty foundational tour. It was really great too because it let you dip your hand in the fermenter and you can actually know, taste right? the mash. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like, how come I can't get this for cereal for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so I, I got to ask, um, are you a G&T or a V&T guy? Uh, you want to break that down for me? We've been having some of this mechanic. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I have two. And now, yeah, yeah, I don't want to overrun us. So I do want to talk about some tasting. I know you've reviewed it dozens of times, but. Uh, you know, people listening will probably want to catch uh, catch what we thought about it. Uh, are you a gin and tonic or a vodka tonic guy? Ooh, um, I really I don't like vodka at all because there is no character to it whatsoever. 
the character comes from the, the the mixologist. Like, what do they put in? What do they put into it? How good is the materials they're working with? Uh, so, if you have an expert behind the bar, you're okay. Uh, but if you've got like kind of a kind of a medium level, you know, performer behind the bar, that gin and tonic would be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this is uh, it, it, it's just straightforward. Uh, so we can continue on, Dan. He picked the right answer. He did pick the right answer. <laughs> That's just the right answer. <laughs> Nobody's drinking vodka and tonics except for Tom Brady. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I mean, what's the point? Like, get something different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, so speaking of something different, um, so what's your, uh, and, and, and I'm going to ask if you've got any, uh, any favorites. Uh, I'll try to keep it to one question, but uh, are you a fan of home blending and do you do it yourself? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, I think it's a really fun experiment. For people to do um, one thing, I, I'll give you an example of something that I've done in the past. Uh, the Jim Beam Double Oak uh, release, I was not a fan of. I thought it was way too oaky for my particular palate, and I really did not enjoy drinking it. So what I did is I just took a vanilla bean, cut it open, dropped it in there, shook it up every couple of days, and six months later, I went back to it, and it was beautiful. Hmm. So. Perfect. That's just something that, you know, when I find a bottle that I don't like uh, as much as I, as, you know, as much as some of the others, I'll do something different and try to, to, to mess with it a little bit and see if I can make it better. Uh, there's been a couple of bourbons that I thought were too sweet. Uh, I, some people love Weller Green Label, you know, the weeded from Buffalo Trace. Sure. I find it's only really good when you mix it with two parts Weller, one part Old Granddad, one fourteen. And that blend is, uh, you know, the poor man's foregrain. And uh, I will tell you, it's much improved by doing that. I highly encourage people, mix things up. You can do it in small amounts and like one or two ounce glasses. Just do little bits and see what, see what works. And if you like it, do it on a bigger scale. Yeah, even the Wellers. So, uh, so I'm here in Georgia, and uh, even the Wellers kind of hard to get. I mean, if you're getting anything, it's primarily the Special Reserve, you know, the 12 and uh, antique, uh, barrel proof, you know, not, not, not really, you, you know, forget it. If you get it, it's, uh, you know, you found a white Buffalo, but, uh, the green label, you can still find reasonably. Uh, and the reason I asked the question about home blending. So I'm, I'm a big fan of, um, uh, mellow corn and, and you, I mean, you nailed it. I mean, you you said it and it tends to be popular is old granddad one fourteen man. I mean, that thing seems to go in anything that people are home blending <laughs> Uh, it's, it's just a good adoption. Yeah. Yeah. But with the old granddad 114, you get a good amount of age, you get a good enough proof. So if you're cutting it with something lower proof, you're not diminishing the drink and it's got so much flavor. So it really does blend so well. Um, again, like if you're, if you're doing old granddad 114 and you're doing mellow corn, that's something I'm gonna have to dip my toe into and see what that's like. Mm. Oh, you haven't had that yet. I have not. Nope. Uh, <laughs> definitely yeah. not. Yeah, you, I'm yeah, definitely going to try yeah. it. Well, if you don't want to, I can send you a sample. So uh, we, we can uh, catch up offline. If you don't want to go all in, I can send you, send you if, some. If so. you want to send me a sample of that, I'll send you a sample of some poor man's poor grain. Mm. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, that, that works then. Well, uh, yeah, maybe if uh, yeah, things go well, we, uh, we can continue on, and uh, that could be another uh, – Another episode to do some sipping. That sounds good. Hey, Mickey, let me ask you this. What is the best piece of advice you've given somebody with regards to 
bourbon and just getting to know it and whatnot? Don't listen to experts. Mm. <laughs> just don't listen to anybody that tells you this is the greatest thing, myself included. <laughs> I have a master. I am a master of my own palate. I'm a master of my own experience and what I like and my own experiences over the years. Try everything on your own and don't just chase what the internet says is, you know, Reddit or Instagram or Facebook. Don't chase those things that everybody says is the unicorn that you got to have. Try it all and figure it out on your own. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I mean, we see that in all industries, right? You see it in uh, in wine and whatnot with uh, the different ratings, and you see it see it everywhere, right? So just whatever makes sense to you is what you need to be able to go with. Absolutely. Look, if if you're the if you're the person that really likes uh, a sweet whiskey, right, and you and you happen upon my page, and I like really higher rye bourbons, and definitely rye whiskey is my favorite. Um, if I'm telling you, oh my God, you got to try this. This is a really good whiskey. Best thing I've had all week, right? Mm-hmm. And then you try it, and you're like, God, that's terrible, right? Well, that's that's, that's like a good this jackass that told me to go buy this bottle. <laughs> it's horrible, right? And and that's the thing. Like I always want to clarify. It's like this is why I like this particular whiskey. And if you listen to me enough, and you like enough of the things that I like, then you can kind of judge your palate to somebody else's. Mm-hmm. But you still have to experience those things on your own first, even know if that person can be trusted for you, mm-hmm. right? Fred Minnick, I love Fred Minnick. I think he's a terrific writer. But I think his palette is so wide and expansive that when Fred says, hey, you should try this whiskey. It's really good. I love it. I don't really know that I'm going to. Hmm. But I also don't know if I'm not going to because he is like all over the map. <laughs> and so I have to, you know, and... That's based on his experience. Hmm. So, you know, you learn yours as you, as you experience things and you take copious notes and just try to remember the things that you liked about that bottle. That way, if you go into a liquor store, it's like, hey, I'm here to try something new. I like these bottles as my go-to. What do you got that's like similar enough, but not exactly this? And any good liquor store or bartender should be able to help you with that. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. Hey, um, one of the things we're always looking for, Mickey, is kind of hidden gems or diamonds in the rough. And we do that with regards to uh, golf courses a lot, right? So how Cal loves to highlight a diamond in the rough golf course of, hey, this is one you guys need to go check out. You're, you're, you lived in Cal. You live in Enola now. From a restaurant perspective, I'd like to ask you, for your diamond in the rough from a restaurant, where do you go? Where's the place that, to your point, is not the one that everybody's talking about, not the one that's highlighted in all the, the trade mags or whatnot, but what is the one that you found? And it, it doesn't have to be where you're living now. It could be anywhere. But what what advice would you give to somebody? Hey, you got to go check this place out. It's an unknown, but it's fantastic. Yeah, um, that's, that's a fabulous question. I love it. Um, New Orleans is tough for restaurants because they don't stay hidden long. (laughs) (laughs) They they really don't. This is, I mean, it's a tourist and local town. Like when I moved here, people are like, oh, these are all the local joints. And I go there and all I see is tourists. And they're local to neighborhoods, and that's a great thing. Um, The thing that I I found more and more is that the the hidden gems here in New Orleans are these pop-up restaurants Mm. that work outside of some of the bars for maybe one or two days a week. Mm -hmm. And probably my favorite 
is uh, oh god, I can't even think of the name. It's been so long since I've been a- been able to go there. Uh, Matchbook Kitchen. Okay. So Matchbook Kitchen works out of Barrel Proof, which is a really great whiskey bar in New Orleans. It's one of the best in the world. Really good selection. It's unpretentious. Prices are responsible. Uh, they're not tourist prices. They're really local price. And this kitchen, the guy's from Boston, and he cooks some of the most incredible Asian food I've ever had in my life. Oh, wow. And I lived in San Francisco. Yeah. And I have had access to the best, some of the best Asian food in the world for most of my life. This guy, is a, he's, a, he's a maniac. I don't know what he does or how he does it. But there is never a dish, and I've gone through his whole expanding menu over the last, like, nine months, and the guy has never had a miss. And I don't know any restaurant that does that, where you every single thing you put on the menu is a, is a smash hit. Wow. So, yeah, that's, that's the one hidden gem in New Orleans if you're here. And it's usually one or two nights a week. So, Cal, do you think there's any irony to the fact uh, that the uh, restaurant he chose was attached no, to a bourbon bar? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, so, Mickey, Mickey, so Mickey just called out the diamond in the rough. He also made a reference that he lived in San Francisco. And, and understanding there's a large Asian population in San Francisco. Uh, I... Yep. It just so happens that I live with a Korean, and I can't wait to get to New Orleans and get to, uh, what was it, Matchbook, uh, what was it? Matchbook Kitchen. There you go. Matchbook Kitchen. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll bring right. my own Korean, so there we go. Yeah, oh, like, uh, I, everybody, I've, like, I've had a few visitors, and everyone I've taken there, they are, like, super snobs about Asian food, and they've yeah. been blown away. Blown away. And like I awesome. said, it's this white guy from Boston, which is crazy but he's a he's a genius right, right. i think right now yeah. cal's probably cool. like hey hey um hey uh well, grab the dog we're packing up we're moving to new orleans <laughs> we're gonna get us apartment <laughs> an apartment over this bourbon bar that has great asian food <laughs> we're, so we're at least getting a the place dog. until the shelter end is over yeah go ahead when you when you guys come down here, I'm telling you, like, make sure you don't miss it. There's there's another one that's kind of famous, but if you like barbecue, Blue Oak Barbecue is probably one of the best barbecue joints on earth. Oh wow! I know, I know, those are fighting words. I know, <laughs> but they work with hogs for the cause hey, every year. Yeah, Just oxymoron. Check New Orleans barbecue. Not hey, unless they're making barbecued <laughs> oysters, that's like oxymoron, dude. Like, <laughs> Uh, yep. Best best barbecue. I, I mean, I've mentioned I've mentioned Georgia. I mentioned Tennessee. Dan's in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and you know the only thing we missed was Texas. Uh, <laughs> and now you're dropping uh, dropping New Orleans <laughs> as a claim to fame. I know. Look, <laughs> I know it's it's fighting words, and I'm not trying to start a, 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 a war amongst the states. <laughs> I'm just saying. If you yeah, come we here, don't need that right now for sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, man. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for mentioning. Hey, so, uh, so thanks, man. You know, I, I know uh, I dropped when I dropped this on you, and you accepted, and 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 believe me, man, we appreciate all your time. Uh, and not trying to rush you off by any means. I mean, I can literally sit around and drink all night, and I might. Uh, but you may have other things to do uh, before we jump off, and we don't have to. But uh, you want to drop? Uh, so, uh, Mickey and Dan, you want to drop some tasting notes on the Henry McKenna we've been sipping on? Mickey goes first. Oh, let's do it. Oh, wait, I go first? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Guest first. I mean, we so can let him is... go last. That way he can clean up our dirty work. <laughs> no, 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 no. So uh, the, the McKenna's are fun because they're single barrels. 
and they can be wildly different. So there's some single barrels that are out there. They try to maintain like a kind of a narrow consistency. Um, Henry McKenna is kind of a really wide range. So I've had some really great bottles of McKenna that I've really enjoyed. I've had a lot of bottles I didn't love. Um, this one that I'm drinking right now was bottled, I'm sorry, barreled uh, July or January 2nd of 2007. Wow. So this one's, uh, this one's been in my hands for a while. Uh, that I opened just a few days ago. And I will tell you, this one is caramel coming out of my ears. It was just caramel for days. Uh, this one is not overly charred or oaked. Uh, it's got, uh, some people will call it that sweet oak. Um, I think it's more along the lines of molasses. And it's not quite um, ethanol heavy. So it doesn't really burn the nose on when, when, it's, when it's open. Now, if it's a fresh bottle crack and that fresh pour, typically the nose burns. Um, but if you let it sit for about 10 minutes after your pour, a lot of that ethanol burns off, and it doesn't just punch you in the nose. Yeah, hey, I found it, Cal. I found it Would very, be. very bold but smooth. You know, um, of course, we got the vanilla and the caramel in there, but I thought it was, I thought it was outstanding. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I drink this thing all day long and I was drinking it just, you know, just straight and put any ice in it or whatnot. But, um, yeah, it was, it was very, uh, satisfying throughout this whole interview. What, uh, what, so, what's the years are on your bottle? Yeah. Yeah. I got you. So, uh, and, and sorry, you know, I sent these and, uh, we jumped on that, you know, we, we got this together pretty quick, so I didn't get the, we're not drinking the same, uh, but this is four twenty eight oh eight. Nice. Uh, and I, I'd shipped Dan like a pair package, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I sent him, you know, five or six. So mm-hmm. I'll send you one. Uh, we'll chat after we get done. And you know, if you want to give me your address, you know, I'll push one to you. We can uh, redo. I'll, I'll save one to the side. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'll t- so, you know, what I would say is it's, um, I think, to, to your point, right, so it's single barrel. And, and you never know what you're really going to get, right? I mean, it's uh, one barrel to the next. And, and you know, wh- where'd they store it at? Where'd they shift it to? What was the weather like, et cetera, et, et cetera. Uh, it, it's a little bit, it's definitely, if you read like a generic um, Henry McKenna review, I think every, all, the way, all the way through, everyone you'll read, it talks about alcohol, alcohol, alcohol. And this one is not really, I mean, I'm getting like, um, like, uh, like graham crackery candy. I mean, it, you know, I mean, again, I'm, I, I'm a drinker, but, uh, you know, if, if I didn't drink at all, it probably would be a little off-putting. But it's not off-putting to the point that I can't get past it to get the kind of graham cracker uh, like milk chocolatey kind of stuff in there. Yeah, that's fair. Like the, you know, they call it single barrel roulette. <laughs> you know, you, you, you crack that thing open, you never know. Is it great or is it going to be a thank you one? And, you know, there's no way of knowing. Yeah. Um, I, w- I will say this. McKenna is not a bottle I would ever give somebody that's just starting out on their whiskey journey because it is such a, um, it's such a bold whiskey, I think. And, you know, if you're, if someone's not really looking to expand their palate in a way, it, it can really, it can knock their socks off in a way that's not a pleasant thing. Mm-hmm. You know, typically Eagle Rare, Russell's Reserve, some of those will kind of get you, start easing you into some higher proofs. Um, but that, yeah. yeah, that mechanic can be a real, 
Yeah, real, <clears throat> real tough one for some people that are starting out. You know what I find funny about this one, though, is um, it, so, you know, when, so when you put it to your, I guess it depends on the glass. I've got, uh, I don't know if you remember, but uh, maybe a year or so ago, I don't know, some time ago, I wrote you and said, well, I was watching a Sunday night fight. And I said, what kind of glass are you drinking out of? And I came up with the best, but it's got a Canadian maple leaf kind of thing on the bottom. And it's kind of a, a sipping glass, but it's, uh, you know, it's kind of uh, it leads in and then it opens up with, you know, with the nose. Uh, but anyway, uh, my point was, it's all, it, you know, catch the alcohol on the front end, but when I'm drinking it, because I'm on my third glass now, but I, I don't really get like a harsh, <laughs> hey, I know, but I don't get anything harsh on the back end. I mean, it's all like on the front end that I catch kind of the, uh, you know, the heat and the, you know, the, the like ethanol, you know, gassy burn, uh, but it's really only through, uh, like, you know, through my sinuses kind of, I, I don't get anything in my mouth that's really off-putting. Yeah, the uh, McKenna finishes typically very well, and I think a lot of the flavor uh, in a lot of Heaven Hill products, Fighting Cocks, another notable one, is that you get a real real pop on, on flavor and spice, like right when it hits your mouth, but then it usually finishes pretty easily. Like it's not generally a really complex finish where it just goes on for days and days and days, and you're like, oh, that's a really cool note I'm getting. Uh, it really, it's, like, it's up front, in your face, and then it just kind of fades into a, a nice pleasantness to give you room for another sip, which is why they're dangerous to drink. <laughs> so easy no, to drink you a can, lot you, of it. You, quick. You, know, you, you can get there. Well, it, exactly. So Dan, you know, I, I, I'm not so, you know, Dan and I, uh, we don't live together, but, uh, you know, so he's in one state and I'm in another. And I can assure you, Dan's got his, uh, he's got his dram poured and he's got his uh, Coke Zero sitting beside him to chase it. But he probably haven't, hasn't had to uh, do it with this one. No, I do not at all. I do not at all. <laughs> not on this one. So are you going to do a little uh, Coke Zero and Henry McKenna or what? Uh, not on this one. That was good. Uh, nah, nah. No reason. No, <laughs> no reason. Don't do it. I was teasing. Don't you dare. Uh, it's too good. Yeah, it is too good. Hey, so, uh, uh, so Mickey, Mickey, Mike. Uh, what did we have a third one there? I didn't write it down. Shame on me, but uh, Mikey works Mickey's too. good. You said Mikey. Yep. So, um, well, right, we'll address you as Mikey. Dan's definitely going to go with Mickey from this point forward. <laughs> I, I am. I am. Hey, totally Dan fine. was a ba- Dan was a base Dan was a baseball player, and you know those baseball players they they just get kind of sideways. Uh, so uh, so we really appreciate you uh, spending time with us. Uh, we're looking forward to pouring another one with you oh, yeah. and uh, another Sunday night fight. We're looking for our invitation to a Sunday <laughs> night fight. Uh, but but uh, we'll uh, I'll I'll close uh, Dan. I don't know if you have anything, but I'll, I'll pass it off to uh, to Mickey. And uh, what are you looking forward to? And thanks uh, thanks for sharing time with us and a drink. Hey, uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, this mechanic is really good, and I'm glad that you you know, prompted me to crack it, crack one open because I've been looking at it for a while. It's delicious. <laughs> um, thanks for, thanks for having me on guys. This was a, this was a gas. I had a really good time with you. Thanks. Um, I do have a, we do have a Sunday night fights coming up uh, soon. We're probably going to announce it in the next day or two. Very cool. Um, I can't tell you what the bottles are yet because we haven't actually finalized what it's going to be, but it's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what? Uh, anytime you guys want to drop in for a Sunday night fights and come in and drink along with us, the bottles that we pick are always accessible. Mm-hmm. So, Very you know, cool. you're more than welcome to come along and, you know, for the journey. 
And I'll keep you guys informed about the private label as I get closer to that. We'll see how that goes. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much.